TLR. How are we doing tonight? How's everybody feeling? Oh my goodness, what a start. Hey, can we say thank you again to Seth and Angelica and the band for being here? Like, that's incredible. Um, they do an amazing job, and just spoiler alert, but they're not done. They're going to lead us strong at the end of the night as well, um, but I'm looking forward to that, but it's going to be awesome. But hey, welcome back. Welcome to Summer at the Living Room. I'm so excited uh, for tonight. If we've never met before, my name is Matt, and I am the college pastor here at the Living Room at Buckhead Church, and I'm excited for tonight because I love summer. Like, like just, just make some noise. Let's not, we're not going to do the whole raise your hand thing. Just make some noise if you love summer, you know? Okay. <laughs> Some of you are lying because some of you are like, woo, and you're like, I hate summer, you know, but I love almost everything about summer. Notice I said almost because I think if we're being honest tonight, um, no one can say they probably love everything about summer, like, because you, you probably don't love the heat, and even if you're like, no, I do, I do, I like the 100 degrees, like, that's my style, there's no way you love getting up and walking outside at nine in the morning and feeling like you can just, like, you just got out of a sauna, you don't, you don't love that, right, so I love almost everything about summer, but I love so many aspects of the summer, I don't love the heat, but I love um, going on vacation, I love the ocean, uh, I love going to the pool, I love uh, hanging out with friends and family, there are so many things that I love about summer, and for me, I feel like summer doesn't officially begin until I experience a good old classic poolside surprise, okay? And you, you know what I'm talking about, right? When I say poolside surprise, some of you are shaking your head. It's like, you don't know what I'm talking about. I made this up last night. But a poolside surprise, I think all of us have actually experienced this before in life. And here's what I'm talking about. Um, it's that moment. It's that day um, when it's early in the summer. It's not super hot out yet. It's like, you know, mid-80s. And, and you're sitting by the pool. The pool just opens. So people don't even really know it's open yet. But you're like, you know, forget you guys. Like, I'm going to chill by the pool. And you're hanging out by the pool. And you got your feet just kind of dangling in the water and maybe you got like your bae on your right or you know maybe you got like your uh, you know brother or sister or best friend on your right or maybe you got like your dog on the right and I'm, I'm not talking about like you know woo like your dog like your bro I'm talking about your, your puppy you know or maybe you're like I don't have anyone on my right bro like that would be the perfect day for me like I just want to be chilling by the pool with a good book by myself like that that's that's the perfect day for me but um you know it's that moment when you're just chilling and like the sun is hitting you just right it's got you feeling some type of way and you're just loving it man you're soaking in just the vibe and you're hanging and you're like, yeah, and you're, you know, posting on Insta like every 30 seconds and you're like, this is incredible. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, you don't even see this coming, you see like a nine-year-old boy coming out, running in your direction out of the corner of your eye. And you like kind of make eye contact and you're like, uh-uh, uh-uh. And he's looking at you and he's like, oh, you know what I'm about to do. And he comes and he runs in your direction full speed. And next thing you know, he is doing a perfect, perfectly executed cannonball slash belly flop. Those are the worst when they don't really know. And they're just like, oh, and he does it right in front of you. And he splashes the junk out of you. And you're like, okay, I hate you. I want to throw you across the pool, but you're nine years old. And you're just like, please get away. Like, this is terrible. And for me, that happened two weeks ago, and I was like, welcome summer. Like, that's when summer officially kicks off. You've all experienced it. Um, but then I was kind of mad in the moment. Um, but about a week later, I realized, you know, I started thinking about it, and, and, and it was like a week later, and I was still mad at this kid, and I don't even know who he is. I'm like, I have issues. Like, I need to, you know, go see somebody. But I'm like, you know, that, that was me. Like, like that, that was me, um, like, a couple years ago, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 26, but um, I'm like, you know, that was me, and, and, I, and I wish I could still do that. Now, I've, I've matured a little bit, because mature people say mature, you know, immature people say mature, but mature people say mature, so I've matured a good bit, and um, so I don't do poolside surprises anymore, um, but, but about a week ago, all right, I got to be honest, um, 
we're at the pool. I'm at the pool with my wife, Anne, and her, her mother, so my mother-in-law. And uh, we were just sitting, and they were, we were all enjoying like one of those moments that I just described, where like the sun was hitting us just right, it was the perfect day, there was no one at the pool, and we were just, you know, just vibing, just having a great time. Um, but then I started getting a little bored, like, man, you can relate, right? Like, we don't just sit by the pool for hours. Girls are like, let's just stay out here until like the sun sets. I'm like, no, let's not, you know? Um, so I get up, and I'm bored, I'm like, I'm going to go get a drink, and, and I come back, and I take one step out, out of like the bathroom area, and I see just this perfect opportunity. And, and I can't say this for sure, but I think I heard the Lord speak to me. And he's like, this is your moment. And I was like, okay, yeah, I think it could be. Um, so what I did was, is I'm like, I am, am just going to kind of sneak up and not let them see me. They were, you know, deep into conversation. And I just ran there in direction. And, man, I nailed it. A perfectly executed um, cannonball. I even screamed it out. I was like, cannonball! And just crushed them. And they hated it every moment. And I loved every moment of it. But they didn't respond the way I I thought they would, not like when a nine-year-old does it to you. You'd re they responded the way that you'd respond if a 26-year-old did this to you. They're like, who are you? Like, get, we don't, like, go home, you know? Like, what, we don't want to see you the rest of the night. And I was like, well, just chill out. Like, it's cool. But all that to say, um, but just have, have you experienced a poolside surprise? Just anybody? Okay, cool. And you, you, now you, can, you know how to, you have verbiage now to call it a poolside surprise. Um, but anyways, all that to say, I love the summer. And I'm really excited about summer here at the living room. Mitch and Beth kind of talked about it a little bit, but I just kind of want to put some dates on your radar right now, um, a.k.a. I'd love for you to, like, put these dates in your phone and be here and bring somebody with you, for goodness sake. Um, so the next two weeks, June 12th and June 19th, we are going to be right here at Buckhead Church, same time, same place, free dinner, uh, Chick-fil-A next week for dinner, by the way, which is going to be incredible. Um, and then June 26th, we're going to have a night out where we're going to go to Piedmont Park, and we're going to hang out, we're going to grill out, we're going to chill out, and it's going to be a night out. You see what I did there? That was creative, right? Um, so that's going to be incredible, June 26th at Piedmont Park. Mo more details to come soon, but we're going to have games, we're going to have food, it's going to be awesome. And then there's a couple dates in July that we're, we're working on, so again, uh, just connect with us on the text group and on social media, Instagram all summer long, and we'll keep you posted for that. But it's going to be an incredible summer at the living room. And, and I'd love for you all summer long to use this hashtag right here. In fact, um, these are our pages. That's KSU as well. That's not the one, but um, I don't know. We just forget that. The hashtag I'd love for you to use is hashtag TLR Summer Nights. Hashtag, you see, that's the hashtag right there, by the way. Hashtag TLR Summer Nights is the hashtag I'd love for you to use um, so that your friends can see what's happening here. And then also at the end of the summer, it'll be a great way for us to look back on this hashtag and to remember all the moments that we experienced together, all the good times. So we'd love for you to use that even tonight. Maybe if you post a story later or a photo later on Insta, uh, just use that hashtag, hashtag TLR Summer Lights. Someone do that tonight, please, just so I know that you heard me, okay? That'd be great. Um, but anyways, diving into the message. Um, one of the things that we love to say here at the living room a lot, and one of the things we love to say just around Buckhead Church is our mission is, is to lead students. Buckhead Church's mission is to lead people, but our mission specifically at the living room is to lead students, to lead you guys in a growing relationship with Jesus. So not a perfect relationship, but a growing relationship, a relationship where you're taking your next step, you're moving forward. And since we believe that faith in God is based on a relationship, it's not based on a religion, we, we, we believe that just like any other relationship in life, that relationship can grow. That relationship can become stronger. 
So a few years ago, our, our senior pastor, Andy Stanley, he put out this list of the five primary ways that your faith, that your relationship with Jesus can grow. And I quickly just want to touch on these. The first one is this right here, providential relationships. Providential relationships. And this is where um, you, you have a friendship come into your life, and this friendship uh, is impactful on you. This friendship helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus. The second uh, way that your faith can go is through pivotal circumstances. So a lot of times this is tough or challenging moments in life, and these moments end up becoming a mile marker when it comes to your faith. You're like, when that thing happened, when I went through that experience, when I went through that pivotal circumstance in life, from that, po that point forward, man, my faith just took off. The third way is uh, personal ministry. This is you serving. This is you starting to get involved. This is you moving from a spectator to, to being a contributor, to now getting in the game, getting some skin on the pavement, and that can help grow your faith. The fourth way right here is practical teaching. And this is what you're hearing right now, practical teaching, where you're hearing the Bible taught, you're hearing truth, and you're gaining knowledge, and as a result, your faith can grow. And the fifth and final way is private disciplines. And private disciplines could be you reading your Bible, uh, it could be fasting, it could be you going on a walk through nature. Uh, but I really think that there's one private discipline uh, that all of us would say at some point in life we've kind of struggled with this. In fact, I would say most of us would say, even right now, we're kind of struggling with this. Like this one private discipline, I think at some point in life, you, you, you've said to yourself, man, I wish I could get better at that. Or I wish I could just like learn more about that. Or, or you see other people that do this pretty well, and you're like, I wish I could do this like they do it. Like, like it looks like that just impacts their life, and, and I want that. I really want that. And the private discipline that I'm talking about tonight is prayer. It's prayer. And prayer, interestingly enough, is like one of the most natural human responses in life. Like, have you ever seen a football game, a college football game? Who's, who's your favorite college football team? Uh, right here, right here. You guys have a college football team? Who, who's that? The Panthers, GSU Panthers, of course. Yeah, GSU Panthers, okay, so I love it. Come on, the new Georgia State Stadium, we're going to be there. We're going to tailgate this year. It's going to be incredible. Um, but you know when it's like the fourth quarter and there's 30 seconds left, and or not 30 seconds, like three seconds left, okay, and, and, and the GSU Panthers are down by uh, like six points, and so they got to score a touchdown to tie or to win the game. So what do they do? The quarterback drops back, and everyone just goes deep, and they call it a Hail Mary, otherwise known as throwing up a prayer, and they just throw it out of desperation and say, man, we hope something good happens. We hope we can catch it. We're just throwing up a prayer out of desperation. And you've, you've been there before in life. Come on, like you've thrown up a prayer before. Maybe for you, it was when you were walking to class uh, before a big test and you're like, Lord, um, I know I didn't really study. Okay, God, you're right. You're right, Lord. I didn't study at all. Um, I haven't even showed up to class at all. But Lord, listen, I believe that you can do all things. Philippians 4 says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So right now, Lord, would you strengthen me by helping me know every single thing I'm going to, you know what, Lord, I don't even need to know everything. I just, I'm cool with the 70, seize it to degrees, you know. Like, Lord, just, just empower me right now. I believe that you can do miracles. You can do anything. And, and and in your mighty holy name, amen, come on, come on. And you walk in and you're like, I just threw up a, a prayer because I don't know what else to do, you know. Or maybe you've thrown up a prayer before, um, before you liked or um, commented on that person's Instagram, like that, that person that you've been crushing on for a while. And you're like, okay, Lord, um, I'm just going to comment LOL. But I pray, Lord, that when I comment LOL that this person knows that means I am in love with you. And they call me and they ask me out on a date. And six months later, can we be married? Lord, this is what, if it's your will, though, if it's your will, please, and you just throw up a prayer. Like maybe that's been 
than you before. <laughs> Is anyone, if you've done that, just, just stop. Don't do that anymore. But <laughs> anyways, um, or maybe you've thrown up a prayer in, in kind of the opposite, or you've gone through like a difficult circumstance in life before. Like you, you just got a tough health report, or someone in your family just got cancer, or, or a close friend just got in a really bad car accident. Maybe you've thrown up a prayer in that situation before. You've thrown up a prayer when a relationship seems to be falling apart, when your parents are going through a divorce and you don't know what else to do. You're desperate. And so you throw up this prayer and you're like, Lord, if you're there, can you please, like, just, I need you right now. I need you. Like, prayer is a natural human response. And even if you're in the room and you're like, yeah, I hear you, Matt, but like, I'm not a Christian, man. Like, like I, I don't really know about this whole God thing. Like, I have a lot of questions, a lot of doubts. I've kind of been burnt in the past by religion and by churches. And, like, you know, I, I just came tonight because somebody told me there was going to be free food and it wouldn't last that long, so I'm here. But, like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't really pray. That's not my deal. But even if that's you, I would guess that at some point in your life, maybe even accidentally, You've thrown up a prayer. In fact, there's a couple stats uh, that came out um, recently, or not that recent, in 2004. And in 2004, a survey came out that said 30% of atheists say that they pray sometimes. And another study said that 16% of non-believers in God say that they even pray regularly. Not just sometimes, but they pray regularly. So, so what I'm trying to say, the point that I'm trying to get across is, is I think that all of us in here would say that, yeah, there's something inside of us that, 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 that desires to connect with someone greater, something or someone greater. There's something inside of all of us innately woven in our DNA that where we want to connect, we want to believe that there may be just somebody who's actually in control. There might be someone who's in control. But yet while prayer is one of the most natural human responses and while we all desire to connect with someone greater, to connect with someone who's in control, Prayer is also very misunderstood. Like, like prayer is one of the most misunderstood parts of faith. In fact, we've all had tons and tons of questions when it comes to prayer. Maybe before you've been like, yeah, I, like how much do I pray? What do I pray for? What don't I pray for? Does God hear all my prayers? Are there some prayers that he answers and other prayers that he doesn't? Like, like, like when do I pray? Where do I need to pray at? You know, is there, is there a certain length that my prayers need to be? Like we have all of these questions when it comes to to prayer. Prayer is very misunderstood, but yet it's something that we all desire. And this is why over the next couple weeks, we're really going to dig in to this topic, to this idea of prayer. And our hope is that this series will be very, very helpful and that this series will answer a lot of your questions that you have about prayer. But not only that, we don't just want your questions to be answered. Our hope, our honest hope is that this series will help shift your perspective when it comes to prayer. That this series could maybe put you on a new path in life, that, that we believe prayer really is powerful and it has the power to redirect the course of your life and that's our hope for this series. And what's incredible is um, even the disciples, the closest followers and friends of Jesus, they too had questions when it came to prayer. Like in Luke chapter 11 verse 1, this is what the disciples said to Jesus. Check this out. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, would you teach us to pray, and this is intriguing because the disciples of Jesus would have been Jewish, like they were good Jews, meaning they would have been raised learning how to pray, like prayer was a part of their life, so this wasn't like a new thing to them, like they had been praying for probably the majority of their life, and so they knew about prayer, they had seen it done before, but yet the more and more they spent time with Jesus, the more and more they thought, man, something is different with him, like Jesus, this man prays in a different way, 
Like, like he hungers for prayer. He, he finds time all the way to get away, even really, really early in the morning to, to pray, to connect with God. He's connecting on a different level, and I think they came and they said, Jesus, we want to pray like that. Like, we want you to teach us to, to pray the way that you pray. We, we want that, Jesus. And so Jesus, being the amazing friend and teacher that he is, he said, all right, you know, I'll, I'll teach you. I'll teach you. And he, he gave what was now famously known as the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer gives us a great model for how we should pray. But before Jesus speaks to the model for how we should pray, he addresses our motivation for why we pray. So before he speaks to the model of how we pray, he first speaks to our motivation for why we pray. And this is kind of where we're going to go tonight, where we're going to talk about the motivation for prayer. So check this out, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. This is where we pick it up. This is Jesus speaking. He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. So Jesus says, hey, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who, who stand out on the street corners and they pray really loud, you know, good sounding prayers so that other people will see them and be impressed. And they'll be like, oh, that's incredible. Like you guys are so holy. He said, don't be like them because those people who are praying with the motivation of just trying to impress other people to be seen by others, they've already received the reward in full. So essentially what Jesus is saying is they might get a pat on the back from a few people. They might get a few people tweeting photos being like, look at these guys. They're amazing. I, you know, they didn't have Twitter back then. Maybe they did. I don't know. Um, but they're like, that's Jesus is saying they've already received the reward in full. Like they're going to get their pat on the back, but essentially their prayers are empty and there's not much power in that. He's saying don't do that. Jesus is saying he's not saying that you shouldn't pray in community. Jesus isn't saying, it's important to note, he's not saying that we shouldn't pray in public or we shouldn't pray in front of other people. No, that's not what he's saying. What Jesus is saying is if your motivation to pray is to be seen by other people and to, be, to impress other people, he's saying that's the wrong motivation. Jesus is saying, I don't, I don't want your prayers to be fake. And, and honestly, if your motivation for prayer is just to be seen and heard by others and to impress other people, then Jesus essentially is saying, then, then, then you can't be real. It's impossible to be real and authentic in prayer if your motivation is to impress other people. But I think we've all felt that tension before, haven't we? Like where you've been at a family dinner and you're like, they're, of course, they're going to ask Grandpa Bill to pray, you know. Like, of course they are. Or maybe second, like, they're going to ask Uncle Steve to pray, you know. But, like, they're not going to ask me to pray. Like, I'm, I'm 19. I'm in college, you know. And, and, and sure enough, like, your great-grandfather who always chooses who prays, he steps up and he's like, all right, uh, Johnny, you want to go ahead and pray? And you're like, oh, me? me? Uh, is there another Johnny? And you're like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'll pray. I'll pray. I'll pray, great-grandpa. Uh, Kevin, and you get up there and you're just like, all right, Lord, you know, help me. Because you want to pray a good prayer, right? Like, don't act like you haven't been there before where you want your prayer to sound good. You want your prayer to kind of make sense. You don't want it to be too long where people are like, goodness gracious, like the macaroni and cheese is getting cold. But you also don't want your prayer to be too short where they're like, come on, like, can you, are you thankful for this family? You know, like you want your prayer to fit in this box and you felt that tension. And if you haven't felt that tension, I know a guy named Greg from the movie Meet the Parents who felt that tension. So turn your attention to the screens and watch this clip here really quick. said grace in many a dinner table 
day. Oh, dear God. Thank you. Hey. Oh, dear Lord. Three things we pray. To love thee more dearly. To see thee more clearly. To follow thee more nearly. Day by day. By day. Amen. Amen. Oh, Greg, that was lovely. Thank you, Greg. That was interesting, too. <laughs> but come on, like, we all feel for Greg in that moment, right? Like, you've been there where you're like, okay, and like, you know, you just start throwing words out there. You're like, I don't know, like, yeah, dearly and clearly, and, you know, you just try to, you try to rhyme because rhyming makes up a good prayer or whatever. And so that's what you feel. But, like, Jesus is like, hey, good news to you. If prayer creates in you a sense of anxiety and where you're like, ah, that, that, that's not the, the purpose of prayer. Like, that's not what you're supposed to feel when you pray. So Jesus gives us an awesome alternative, and then we go on. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, check this out. He says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So I love this. We see Father uh, repeated a couple times here, which you're going to hear Father a lot. That's going to be a theme all throughout this series. Beth next week is really going to tune in on this. Um, but Jesus says, hey, when you pray, like, like go into your room and just connect with me one-on-one. -on -one. Connect with your heavenly Father one-on-one. -on -one. He says, you don't, you don't have to try to impress people. That, that shouldn't be the motivation for prayer. The motivation for prayer is for you to connect with your heavenly Father. Like one-on-one -on -one interaction does wonders for a relationship does wonders for your relationship with Jesus. I mean, think about it. Think if you had a significant other, like with my wife, Ann, if on the only time that I communicated with her, the only time I spoke to her was in big groups of people in group settings. If like we got around a group and I was like, oh, hey girl, what's up? What's up, babe? Yeah, how you doing? Like, tell me about your life. And then we get home and it's just like, nope, not talking to you. And then it's like a week later, Friday night, we go out again. Hey girl, like the relationship would suffer. Like, let's be honest, that relationship would be terrible. But yet what Jesus is saying here is, hey, some of you need to kind of be cautious. Some of us need to look at our lives and listen, I'm preaching to myself right now. Okay, like I'm with you. Like this is a struggle for me sometimes. Jesus is saying, if you pray more in public than you do in private one-on-one -on -one with me, there might be something wrong. Like your prayers are probably lacking authenticity. And if I'm just being honest, you're probably a little bit hypocritical. He's saying you need to sometimes just get away and pray with me. And again, he's not saying that prayer in community or prayer in public is bad, but he's saying that can't be the primary motivation to impress other people. Prayer's not about that. Prayer's about you connecting with your heavenly father. He says prayer was not designed to be a public demonstration, but personal communication with God in faith. The public practice of prayer should be rooted in the private discipline of prayer. So your public practice of prayer, when you pray with other people, that should just be an overflow of the prayer time that you're having one-on-one -on -one connected with your heavenly Father. This is where it starts, in one-on-one -on -one personal connection with your Father, with Jesus. And then that overflows when you pray in public, when you pray in community. That's, that means that your prayers, you're, you're not going to be motivated by just trying to impress people. He goes on to say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, he says, and when you pray, this is kind of another tip for how not to pray. He says, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. 
So he says, hey, also, don't just try to impress people, but also don't try to impress me. Like, you don't need to impress God with your prayers by just babbling and going on and on and trying to make your prayers sound super lengthy and super good. He says, don't do that. Like, like, like you don't need to impress me. You can't impress God. And come on, do we want a God that can be manipulated or swayed by your words? Like, we don't want that type of God. We don't want a God that, that, that needs to be impressed by us. But a lot of times, that's the way we treat prayer where it's like a combination lock, and you're like, man, if I can just pray for this amount of time, this many days in a row, and if I can just pray the right words, if I can nail it, then, then I'll just get the lock, the combination just right, and I'll unlock whatever it is I'm trying to get from God. Like, that's the way we treat prayer. And Jesus is like, no, that's, that's the wrong motivation. Your motivation can't be to impress people, and your motivation can't be to impress God. That's not the right motivation for prayer. But he goes on to say in verse 8, he says, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. What he's saying here is, hey, be real. He's saying, the way you picture me, again, this, this word father we see, he says, the way that you picture me when you pray to me is going to create the content of your prayers. It's going to create the script of your prayers. Like if you view God as just some distant heavenly being, then that's going to impact the way that you approach him in prayer. You're going to approach him probably with not a lot of intimacy, and you're just going to kind of be like, like Greg, honestly, where you're like, oh, Lord, up in the highest. Like, it's just going to be like, what, what is this? If, if your picture of God is that he's just some old man up in heaven, like on a rocking chair, you know, smoking a pipe, like, like not like a weed pipe or something like that, but, you know, like a, a grandpa pipe, you know what I'm talking about, like the pipes that grandpa smoked. Um, and if, you, if that's your picture of God, then, then you're going to approach him in, in that way. Like, you're going to come to him and be like, oh, Lord, like, like you talk to your grandpa. If your picture of God is that he's some overbearing parent that's just waiting for you to mess up again, or he's like, well, you got to get all these things in order to, before you come to me, then guess what? You're going to approach God with, with kind of some fear, and, and you're not going to approach God with a lot of confidence because you're going to be approaching him like, oh, Lord, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm good enough right now. I messed up the other day. Okay, and, and then guess what? You're probably not even going to approach him at all because you're going to be too scared to. But Jesus is saying, hey, if you approach me by saying, Father, then you're going to come to me sincere. You're going to be direct when you come to me. You're going to be honest when you come to me. See, your view of God will ultimately shape how you pray and what you pray for. Your view of God, your picture of God will ultimately shape how you pray and it will shape what you pray for. See, the character of God should inform the content of your prayers. So the more that you get to know Jesus, the more you grow in your relationship with him, the more the script of your prayers is gonna start to line up with that and you're gonna be like, Lord, I know that you're a healer, so in this moment, I know that you can bring healing. Lord, I know that you forgive, so in this moment, I'm feeling uh, like I've messed up a lot, but God, you forgive me. Lord, I know you're the one that has a plan for my future, and so I don't see any hope for my future, but I'm coming to you, God, believe and know that you see a hope, and so I'm gonna trust in you. I'm gonna hang on to you in this moment. The character of God informs the content of your prayers. This is powerful. See, the motivation for prayer ultimately is for your heart to sync up with the heart of God. This is the ultimate motivation 
for your prayer, for your heart to become one with the heart of God. Like, you know what it means to sync, right? We all, we all of course we know. I'm speaking to college students. You know what it means to sync up your phone with your computer, right? Okay? Um, if I was speaking to, like, a group of 60-year-olds, they'd be like, what are you talking about? You know? uh, but sync up means that you're going to plug in your phone to your laptop. And what happens in that moment? I'm not a huge tech guy, so I could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but, but I think what happens in that moment is that your phone is uploading things to your computer, like it's uploading photos, it's uploading videos, it's uploading uh, new apps that you've gotten, it's uploading notes. All these things are uploading to com- your computer. But at the same time, your computer is downloading things onto your phone. It's downloading new updates, it's downloading new software, it's downloading all of these things. So what happens is when you sync, you're getting everything on the same page. You're getting everything unified, everything is becoming one. And it's the same with prayer. When you approach God and your motivation, your honest, true motivation is for your heart to sync with the heart of God, then what happens is is you start to upload your fears. You start to upload your worries. You start to upload your anxieties. You start to upload your hopes and your dreams. And in return, God starts to download peace. He starts to download hope. He starts to download a new perspective. He starts to download forgiveness. He starts to download grace. And you are sinking your heart with the heart of God in this moment. Prayer is so powerful. It's so powerful. So what what do I want you to do? There's really three things that I think we need to focus on this week. And the first is this. When you pray get away. When you pray, get away. So what I mean by that is don't just like get away from people, get away from anything that could be a potential distraction. So so get away from your cell phone for sure. Get away from your TV, get away from your laptop, get away from anything that could distract you, which means you may have to like go in a closet or you might have to go in the woods somewhere. You might need to find your spot. I heard someone, a pastor one time say his spot was the corner uh, booth in a Burger King, but he would literally drive to that Burger King every single day because he knew in that moment, in that space, he could get away from any distractions. When you pray, get away. Here's my challenge to you this week, or how about over this entire summer if you're up for it? What would it look like for you to spend just five minutes a day getting away? Getting away and connecting with your heavenly father, trying to sync up your heart with his. Second thing that kind of bounces off this is this. When you pray, give God your best time. Don't give God your leftovers. That doesn't honor God. Don't just check this off the list and be like, oh, I got to give God five minutes. That pastor man told me to do that. All right, I'm going to do it. You know, like, Lord, I love you. Okay, five minutes is done. No, give him your best time. And, And hey, can I just like let some pressure off some of you? There's nothing more holy about the morning hours. Like 6.30 a.m. isn't more of a holy time than 6.30 p.m. Because we hear that a lot. It's like, wake up early and pray. And you're like, well, I don't wake up until nine, so I guess I can't pray because God's only, you know, that's the only time he hears me because those hours are more holy. That's not true. Give God your best time when you pray. For me, I think that the morning is actually my best time. My wife's probably like, what are you talking about right now? But I really think it is. The problem is, is I can't not click the snooze button. The, The other day, I'm not kidding you, I calculated it. I clicked the snooze button 14 times. 14 times, you guys. I just need to get up when the alarm goes off and go and wake myself up and get some coffee and that's my best time. But for you, maybe that's not your best time. Find what is. Find what is your best time and get away for just a few minutes and give God your best time. And the third and final thing is this, and don't miss this, please don't miss this. When you pray, be real. 
When you pray, be real. Another way to say it is, hey, keep it 100. Come on. Like, keep it 100 with God. God doesn't want your fake prayers. A great theologian named C.S. Lewis said this. He said this quote, and I love this. He says, lay before him, speaking of God, lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. He says, come to God with what's actually going on in your life. Like, like be real. Don't, don't give him what you think you should be saying, or don't be like, well, this is, you know, I'm just going to say this. This is No, bring him what you're actually feeling. Like, bring it to him. And, and guess what? You don't have to say it in a certain way. Just talk to him as if he's your father or as if he's your friend. Talk to him that way. Can I be real with you as we close? This past week, um, for me, I had some highs and some lows like every week, but I'm going to be honest with you about my lows. Um, early on in the week, I was struggling with, with confidence a little bit. And like I woke up in the morning and for whatever reason, I just lacked confidence and I was walking out in that, and I wasn't leading really well. I wasn't always making the best decisions and kind of just lacked confidence. I didn't feel like I had what it takes. I didn't feel strong enough. Later on in the week, um, I had some really selfish moments, and I was a complete jerk to my wife. Like, like I was rude to her. I didn't respond the right way, and it was just selfishness. And then later on in the week, about midway through the week, um, we got a call from one of our really good friends and she had just found out that her little niece, who I believe is four years old, that her cancer returned. And now they're giving her three to six months to live. And for the first part of the week, as I was praying to God, I was really just kind of bringing to him what I thought should be in me. Not what was really going on inside of me. Like I'd be like, Lord, you know, and just kind of praying just surface level prayers. And then, of course, as only God could as I'm preparing this talk, I'm, you know, looking at this quote. I'm like, okay, Matt, are you going to apply it or are you just going to preach it? And so Thursday of this week rolls around this past week and I get away and I'm giving God my best time and I'm just unleashing. I'm, un I'm uploading everything I have to God, trying to sink my heart with his heart. And I'm like, Lord, I don't understand this. God, I have questions. Lord, I don't feel like I have what it takes. Would you fill me up? God, would you show me where I need to go? Lord, would you help me to not be so selfish? Would you help me to serve my wife? Would you help me to love her well? And in that moment, it was only a couple minutes. It wasn't that long. But in that moment, I could feel my heart sinking up with the heart of God. It was incredible. So students, as we close tonight, I just want to give you an opportunity right now to be real. And to just approach your heavenly father tonight. Maybe for the first time in your life. Maybe for the first time in a while. And just to go to him with whatever it is that's actually going on in your life. And just for one minute right now. To just be completely authentic. To be completely real with God. So right now would you just take one minute and go to him. God, you hear the prayer of every single student in this room. And Lord, right now, you know exactly what's going on in, in all of our lives. 
You know our fears, you know our hopes, you know our dreams. And tonight, God, you're saying, hey, I want to sync up with you. God, even for the person in the room that feels so far from you right now, right now you're you're shouting to them, I want to sync up with you. I want to sync up with you. And Lord, tonight uh, we just want to come to you real. And as we close out here in just a minute with worship, God, maybe this would be a moment, some space where we could just continue to just come to you with whatever is going on in our lives. Not, not what we feel like should be going on, but what's actually going on. And Lord, tonight, on behalf of our really good friend, Carly, I want to pray for baby Caroline. And God, I want to pray for healing. I want to pray that you'd heal her miraculously this side of earth, Lord. But if not, God, I want to pray that you give her family faith, that you give them comfort to know that you are going to heal her. It just might not be this side of heaven. God, that's the the God that you are. You give us eternal perspective. But Lord, we can approach you and we can be real with you because you're Jesus. You're the one that paid it all and you love us. And so God, tonight, we come to you and we just say thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you did what you said you were going to do. You died on the cross for our sins and then you rose again. And because of that, we have hope. It's in your mighty name we pray tonight.